thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Indians 5, the Chicago White Sox nothing. The Indians win the rubber match and take the series against the Chicago White Sox. And they even up the regular season record. The regular season record. They even up their record at 13-13. and 13. All right, I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I got to tell you, yesterday felt like a real baseball game. It really did. It felt like two starters who were battling against hitters who were trying to create. It felt like people were getting on base, and that's our first storyline. That's what we're going to dig into here. There were runners on base through the first four and a half innings of this baseball game. It wasn't till the bottom of the fifth inning when a team went one, two, three. And that is what makes for exciting baseball. We they're talking about it a little bit with all these rule changes, right? With you know preventing teams from shifting, uh, requiring infielders to you know stay on the dirt. All these things are to get more base runners because base runners equal excitement. Lots of things can happen when there's base runners on. You can have stolen bases. You can have double plays. You can have runs scored. All sorts of fun things happen and make the game more enjoyable when there's runners on base. Now, of course, we would love to see our pitchers continue to strike out everybody they face, continue to dominate, and you know what? For, for all the base runners that Plesak let on base, he actually did a really good job yesterday, which we'll get into. That's storyline number two. But the first one, runners on base in the first four and a half innings. Jose Ramirez doubles in the first. Unfortunately, Eddie Rosario grounds out. I noticed that they didn't shift against Eddie Rosario in this situation. I believe he grounds out to shortstop in this situation. And in the past... They have uh, they've shifted against him, and they've pulled guys over. So I don't know if they finally decided that, hey, maybe, maybe we don't want to be shifting against Eddie Rosario when there's runners on base. Maybe Eddie Rosario knows how to go up the middle. But yeah, it was a ground out to shortstop. It wasn't hard, you know, it wasn't a hard hit ball, but it's a ball that if the shift was on, may have actually gotten through. So I thought that was an interesting strategy there by Tony LaRusso and the White Sox. Then a scary, scary moment in the bottom of the first. Luis Robert, they say it's his hip. I mean, it looked like it could have been anything in the leg. It looked bad. Something popped. So whether it's the hip or the groin, I mean, it looked like a hamstring. We've all seen guys go down from hamstring pops, and that is like a sniper, man. They just go down, and you don't know what happened. And that's kind of what Robert looked like yesterday, hobbling across first base for a single so they said it was a hip flexor. They said MRIs were something. Something they, the exam wasn't conclusive, right? They're not exactly sure how bad he's hurt. But Larusa said he probably is going to hit the IL. I mean, they had to carry him off the field. Well, they had to help him, right? He was on two guys' shoulders, limping off the field. So not. I mean, terrible, terrible. We do do not want to see guys get hurt, especially like that. That was brutal. Um, but Plesak gets out of it. Strikeout, ground out, gets out of the inning. Ahmed Rosario singles. He gets on in the uh, second with one out. Unfortunately, Jake Bowers lines out deep, deep to right field. Almost gets it over Adam Eden's head in right field. 
Ahmed Rosario had stolen second, so he was already there. He tags and goes to third. Unfortunately, Andres Jimenez flies out to end the threat, but things are happening. Guy gets on, steals a base, so, uh, you know, a, a deep drive into right field, and moves him over to third, you know? So we were progressing. The inning was actually making some progress. Unfortunately, no runs to show yet. Uh, in the uh, bottom of the second, Zach Collins walks for the White Sox, but uh, Plesak is able to get a flyout and a flyout to get out of it. Neither ball really was much of a threat. And yeah, Plesak did walk uh, a few too many guys. He has four walks on the day, and that will rear its head in the next inning. But he's able to work out of it here in the second. We get a home run for Cesar Hernandez. With one out in the third, that is awesome to see. Cesar Hernandez going 408 feet, 102.7 mile per hour exit velocity to center field. I think dead center field for that home run. Uh, Daniel Johnson with strikeout after him. Whew, that was rough. We'll get into that when we talk about the box score. And Jose Ramirez walks. Uh, Eddie Rosario lines out to end the threat. So a fun third inning. Indians are on the board. In the third for the White Sox is when things got really iffy. And we kind of had some flashbacks to Tristan McKenzie from Saturday. So Madrigal grounds out. Anderson grounds out to start the inning. Adam Eden walks. Yoan Moncada walks. Then he hits Jose Abreu with the pitch. Eden was a bad walk. I believe he walked Eden on like four pitches or something like that. Moncada was a battle, but eventually draws the walk. And... Uh, Jose Abreu, he just lets one get away. You could see the look on his face where it was like, how did that, that was not where that ball was supposed to go. So I think he hit him in the shoulder or something like that. So Jose Abreu gets on, loads the bases. Now, here's the thing. Pitchers will get into trouble. It's going to happen to everybody. It happened to Corey Kluber. It happened to Cliff Lee and CeCe Sabathia. It happened to Bob Feller, Right? Even Bob Feller got into jams. So Plesak gets into a jam yesterday. We saw the same thing from Tristan McKenzie on Saturday. On Saturday, McKenzie was striking out. He struck out five of the first or four of the first five batters he faced, right? He gets in trouble, walks another guy, brings in a run. Okay, you can still limit the damage here. Gives up the grand slam to Tim Anderson. So that is the difference. That is the difference between being a major league starting pitcher and getting sent back to AAA. It's the ability to get into trouble, yes, but to be able to work out of it or limit damage and stay in the game. And that's what Plesak does here. He strikes out Jake Lamb, which is a huge moment for Plesak. He's pumped. The Indians are pumped. They survive without giving up a run, and it was a very exciting bottom of the third inning. Top of the fourth inning now, another exciting inning. After Josh Naylor strikes out, Ahmed Rosario triples this time, lines it down the right field line, and hustles all the way around for a triple. Bowers gets a fastball up in the middle of the plate that he should be able to drive. He knows it. We know it. That is a pitch that you drive out to the right field seats for a home run. Instead, he pops it up. Pops it up on the back of the infield. Moncada and Tim Anderson are both drifting back on it. Nobody calls it, and they collide with each other. They collide with each other and drop the ball. And what was interesting, I think, uh, I think the Indians TV broadcast pointed this out, that 
the same thing happened on Saturday. There was a pop-up to the to the right side of the infield, and the second baseman, I must have been magical, was drifting back on it. And Tim Anderson got behind him and almost and knocked him over, but he held on to the ball. And everybody laughs about it uh, on Saturday night. Now nobody's laughing for the White Sox. So Anderson, I don't know why, uh, why no one called it. Anderson had the better play on the ball. Anderson could get behind it and, and get a good line on the ball, where Mercado was on his heels drifting back. Anderson, has to, all he has to do is call for it. All you have to do is say mine, and that guy will bail. And he has it. We've all been called off by a shortstop before. From Little League on up, we've all been called off by the shortstop. Okay, we get it. You're the best fielder out there, all right? Tim Anderson, all he has to do is call him off. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Ahmed Rosario, if you watch the highlight, and I tweeted this out, about two seconds before they collide, Ahmed Rosario sees it coming. He sees it. He sees exactly what is about to happen. Because he goes from drifting back to the bag into a runner stance, into the stance of someone about to tag up on the fly ball. And as soon as he sees that ball bounce away and roll away from those guys and not just drop at their feet, and when he sees it roll away, because the left fielder is the one who has to come in and recover that ball. As soon as he sees it bounce away, he takes off on a dead sprint for home. And that is what I'm talking about there. That is heads-up baseball by Ahmed Rosario. He saw that coming. He saw exactly what was about to play out seconds before it happened and got in a stance to react. So, 2 nothing felt like a pretty big lead at this point. And Giolito was pissed, by the way. He strikes out Andres Jimenez on three pitches and strikes out Austin Hedges on some nasty, nasty pitches. Uh, to get out of that inning. Fourth inning, they get Andrew Vaughn on in a single uh, with one out. Uh, Garcia flies out, another single for Madrigal, and then Tim Anderson strikes out to end that threat. So another threat from the White Sox. The Indians get a little rally going with two outs in the fifth, a walk to Jose Ramirez. They did not want to pitch to Jose Ramirez yesterday. Uh, They really... Really, they walked him twice after that first double, and it would prove right because he would make them pay later in the game. Eddie Rosario singles this time, but Josh Naylor flies out to end the threat. And then finally, ground out, strikeout, strikeout in the fifth inning. Plesak sets him down, one, two, three. So that ends our little rally of a runner on base every inning. So yeah, really, really exciting stuff. The Indians would really unload in the... uh, in the seventh inning, uh, Cesar Hernandez would single to lead off that inning. And then Jose Ramirez, after Daniel Johnson strikes out again, Jose Ramirez would homer to really blow this thing open. And it was a no doubt about a shot. He turned and cranked one to right field. And then uh, a single from Eddie Rosario, a ground out from Josh Naylor. But then a, uh, I don't know how Rosario got to second base. Uh But then uh, Ahmed Rosario was single, a bloop single this time drops, and Eddie Rosario would come around and score with his patented Eddie Rosario slide. Uh, And yeah, and then that was just a great insurance run. A great insurance run, and the bullpen shuts it down. 7-8-9, the Cleveland Indians bullpen. Once again, we talked about them the other day. The exact same thing happens in this game. Shaw... uh, Actually goes an inning and a third with a strikeout. Karinchek goes the eighth with strikes out the side. Another another eighth inning where Karinchek strikes out the side. 
Class A does give up a hit, but a strikeout and gets out of it to end the game. And I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised they used Class A in the ninth. Maybe with a four-game set coming up against the Royals, maybe you could have given that inning to somebody else. Um, Sandlin would have been interesting, although you probably don't want to pitch him two days in a row. They did use a lot of bullpen arms yesterday after McKenzie. So maybe he didn't want to pitch anyone two days in a row and went back to Class A. But I feel like against Kansas City, we're going to need a lot of work from Shaw, Karinchek, and Class A. So the same trio that shut him down, I believe, on Friday does it again uh, Does it again on Sunday. So, yeah, it was a fun game. It was a really fun baseball game. Now, of course, we're saying that being an Indians podcast who won 5 nothing. I'm sure the Chicago White Sox, Chicago Baseball Morning podcast probably is not considering this as much of a fun game. But even they can't deny there was a ton going on in this game. It was not one of these drudge of a games that you have to sit through where nobody's on base for like four or five innings. There was something happening in every inning to pay attention to. All right. Uh, second storyline, like I said, Zach Plesak pitching very well. Five and two-thirds, only three hits. He did give up the four walks and hit a guy, six strikeouts. Only was hard hit five times. In fact, Indians pitching only gave up seven hard hit balls on the day, whereas the White Sox gave up 10, including Giolito, who gave up seven himself. So yeah, the Indians, uh, the pitching, Zach Plesak really, really settled down. What was Plesak throwing yesterday? He threw his fastball a lot, 46 times on the fastball, and then the change 30 times. Went to the breaking ball, the slider 21 times, and the curveball 13 times. His CSW on the day was only 27%, so not really high. 30% CSW on his four-seam fastball. Got six whiffs, eight called strikes on it, which is good to see. It means he's locating that fastball really, um, yeah, really getting some called strikes on the fastball is huge. You can really start a count, you know, start an at-bat early by locating that fastball getting ahead, and then working those breaking pitches. Uh, the best pitch, the most effective was the curveball, but it's because he threw it. Probably because he threw it the least. Uh, 38% CSW on the curveball, but he only threw it 13 times. So a smaller sample size. But if it's a pitch they're not seeing a lot, when he finally breaks it out, I can see how, uh, how come, yeah, that would be effective. The average exit velocity off his pitches is really encouraging. The average exit velocity off his four-seam fastball was only 80 miles per hour. Uh, off the changeup, only 89. They hit the slider okay. A 93-mile-per-hour average exit velocity off the slider, including the max of 110. It was the only pitch that they hit over 100-mile-per-hour exit velocity yesterday. And then only a 72.7-mile-per-hour exit, average exit velocity off his curveball. So they were really struggling against his curveball when he did throw it. That is really encouraging to see that the fastball isn't getting hard hit. Uh, for him, it was all about command. I mean, if he limits those walks and cuts down on those walks, maybe he goes deeper into the game, and it's a really dominant performance from Zach Plesek. So he bounced back and definitely looked like a really good major league pitcher yesterday again, which is awesome to see. It's something the Indians need. We're going to talk about some other teams that don't need to rely on pitching. The Indians are still a team that's built around relying on their starting pitching, and giving them a little bit of support, finding a guy in the offense who can get it done that day, right? Doesn't have to be the whole lineup. 
You'll even see in later when we talk about some MLB news in the Dodgers game, it really doesn't have to be the whole lineup. It's who can get it done that day. Uh, so that's what's going on with Plesak and uh, talking about the offense. The, our final storyline is just digging into the offense. Ahmed Rosario, huge day, three for four with the triple and two singles. I got to be honest, that triple swing gave me shades of Tim Anderson. It really, the way he hustles, the way Ahmed Rosario runs and his aggressiveness and that ability to get the bat on an outside pitch and just shoot it down the line and just do what you have to do. If I were Ahmed Rosario, now that I'm in the American League Central, I would be paying attention to every single at bat Tim Anderson has because Tim Anderson is a, is a star. He is a star in this league. He is an excellent hitter. Even though he went over four yesterday, he did have two hard hit balls. Tim Anderson is an excellent hitter. And if I were Ahmed Rosario, I would definitely be paying attention to that guy and what he does on offense and seeing if I could model that, if I could replicate that. Because, I mean, that would be huge for the Indians. If Ahmed Rosario is even giving you shades of Tim Anderson, that is huge for the Cleveland Indians. And it's huge for Ahmed Rosario. I mean, he's a young guy that still has a lot of potential in his career. And he had a really excellent game. The stolen base, legging out the triple, scoring on the error, the insurance RBI late in the game. Big day for Ahmed Rosario. You know what? I'm just going to call it right now MVP for the day. Ahmed Rosario gets MVP for the day. As great as the pitching was, we do not win this game without Ahmed Rosario yesterday. Also in the offense, Cesar Hernandez goes uh, two for five with that home run. Really encouraging day from Cesar Hernandez. He is starting to find it. And remember, there's guys that have terrible Aprils, and then they go on a tear in May, and it turns that season around. I'll never forget the May when Kipnis had like 50 hits in the month, right? He just could not stop hitting. And it turns your season around, and that could be something we could see from a Cesar Hernandez, from an Ahmed Rosario, that we can see from, you know... a couple of guys in this lineup. A couple of guys are who they are. I think Eddie Rosario has room to heat up, but I think Josh Naylor is probably who he is. I think Fermil Reyes is probably who he is. I think Jake Bowers, unfortunately, and Andres Jimenez might be who they are for now, although I do have high hopes from Andres Jimenez. I think he takes decent at-bats. He still gets overmatched sometimes, uh, like what Giolito did to him after that error scored Ahmed Rosario. Uh, He really took it to Andres Jimenez in the next at-bat. And, of course, Jose Ramirez, two for two on the day with uh, two walks and uh, a huge day for him up at the plate uh, for Jose Ramirez. And the two balls they let him swing at, he absolutely roped. Two hits, two hard-hit balls, and two official at-bats with the two walks. Uh, So big day for Jose Ramirez. He is just a great hitter. He is absolutely He's, he's just great at baseball. He is absolutely, and if you see all the tweets going on right now about what's happening with Francisco Lindor, I mean, if you had to choose right now, if you would have Jose Ramirez as an Indian for life or Francisco Lindor as an Indian for life, I think we'd all be choosing Jose Ramirez right now. I, there isn't a, there could not be a person in Cleveland who wouldn't choose Jose Ramirez over Francisco Lindor right now. And it will be interesting. There's still plenty of option years left on Jose Ramirez. He's still going to be around for a while. We all want them to lock up Shane Bieber long-term. 
Will we ever work something out with Jose Ramirez or will he cash in late in his career and get a little payday from someone else in free agency? I I mean, as Indians fans, as Cleveland fans, because they ain't going to be Indians fan for very much longer, as Cleveland fans, don't we all want to see him just lock up Jose Ramirez for the rest of his career? Don't we want to see Jose be our guy for the rest of his career? It would mean so much to this city to have a guy like that because it's been a long time, a long time since we, I mean, Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas is, you can't say anyone on the Cavs. Everyone on the Cavs has moved on pretty much. Yeah, Dudley came back, but I mean, he's been out all season. Uh, LeBron's come and go so many times. Joe Thomas is really the only guy in the last two decades that you can say was our guy, right? He was our guy, a Cleveland guy, a Cleveland legend, stuck around, played his whole career here. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've had someone on the baseball side. And not their fault because it's, I mean, that's ownership's fault. All right. Anyways, uh, Ahmed Rosario gets MVP for the day. And that is, that's the game. I mean, it was a really good game. And uh, some other MLB news that I wanted to talk about. If you didn't see what happened in the Cincinnati game and the Cubs game, they hit in uh, 10 innings, they hit 10 home runs combined between the two teams to finish 13 to 12. The Reds walk it off in the 10th inning, of course, on a single, not a home run, but Bryant homers twice for the Cubs. Rizzo homers, Javi Baez homers, Ian Happ homers. For the Cincinnati Reds, Castellanos homers twice, Mustakas homers, Suarez homers, Barnhart homers. Ten combined home runs. Wolf, you want to talk about no pitching? My God, what a slobber knocker of a game. 16 hits for the Reds, 14 hits for the Cubs. Unbelievable shootout in Cincinnati. Uh, also going on in MLB, you also had the Dodgers who were unloading. The Dodgers, now they were facing a rookie pitcher for the Brewers. So this is a little unfair. But for the Dodgers, they score 16 runs and 15 of the RBIs came from the same two guys. Betty, who is their first baseman, had seven RBIs. Pollock, who's their left fielder, had eight RBIs. Lux behind them had the last RBI, the 16th RBI. So your 6th, 7th, and 8th hitters in the lineup have all your runs driven in. So yeah, Betts and Seager and Turner and Smith in the top of this lineup, they were getting on base a little bit, but all the damage was done from the 6th, 7th hitters in this lineup, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible box score to see. And yeah. Uh, they were facing a rookie pitcher for Milwaukee, and they unloaded on him. But yeah, that's, I mean, as much fun as it would be to have an offense like that, man, having having starting pitching is really important in this game because uh, it, uh, it can get out of hand really fast. And uh, some of these offenses in the National League are pretty darn fun, pretty insane to watch. The other uh, MLB game that I thought would have been of note to Indians fans is the Yankees-Tigers game. Corey Kluber finally returning to form. Goes eight innings, two hits, no earned runs, a walk, and 10 strikeouts against the Tigers. I'm sure the Tigers were having terrible flashbacks to how Corey Kluber has basically dominated them 
throughout the, you know, the 20 teens. And Kluber is starting to find it. I got to be honest. I did not expect, I thought it was going to be pretty rough for Kluber. And that's how it started uh, his Yankee career. It started pretty rough. But he's really settled in his last two games. Finally, his last start against Baltimore and then this start against Detroit, he finally lasts in, you know, through the fifth inning. Up until that point, his longest start had been four and two thirds. Against Baltimore, he goes six and two thirds and then eight innings uh, yesterday, and the strikeouts are back. The most he had struck out up until this point had been five. When you don't go deep in the game, you don't get many chances to strike people out. He goes eight innings and he strikes out 10. So, I won't, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on that because Corey Kluber might be back. He may have, uh, you know, shaken the rust off. He, I mean, it's been a long time since he's pitched a full season or even a meaningful, you know, amount of games in a season. So has Corey Kluber shaken the rust off? Because I'm sure the Yankees would really, really appreciate that. Uh, they, they really really need that. The Yankees have evened things up at 14 and 14. And that's what happens when you face the Tigers. Uh, it's a good chance to get your uh get your you know season record uh looking a little better once you face the Tigers. All right, coming up tomorrow we are going to Kansas City. A couple of eight o'clock starts here. It's a four game set against the Kansas City Royals. It's gonna be Savali on the mound for us and it's gonna be Lynch on the mound for the Royals. He's a top pros- top pitching prospect that they just called up, Daniel Lynch. Here's the uh, here's the uh, bio on him from the MLB prospect ranking. He's their number 2 ranked prospect in their system behind Bobby Witt Jr. and definitely their top rated uh, starting pitcher. And a big lefty, 6-6 lefty. He was taken late in the first round in sort of those supplemental picks. Um, of the 2018 draft, he's got a 65 grade on his fastball. Remember, this is the 20 to 80 grading scale. So at 80, you're Randy Johnson, you're Pedro Martinez. So he's a 65 on his fastball, 60 on the slider, 50 on the curve, and 55 on the changeup. So we're going to see a lot of fastballs and sliders from this guy. He has been working on that changeup. His controls a 55. Overall, they've got him as a 55 as a pitcher. He is someone who uh, was playing in the lower levels and then really came on at the alternate site last year. He's a, he's someone who, there are a couple pitchers who are taking advantage of the alternate site and have probably made it to the major leagues faster than they would have going through the traditional minor league system. I think Tristan McKenzie is a guy like that who took advantage of the alternate site and the need for starting pitching last year and got himself to the major league level faster than he would have in a regular season. And it looks like this Daniel Lynch guy is too, because before that he had not, I think his highest he had gone was high A. So he's got a hell of a fastball. It sits between 95 and 97 and can touch 99. His plus uh, a mid 80 slider. So a hard slider uh, is definitely his second best pitch. It's got sharp bite to it. And then he was really working on his changeup last year. So this is his first start in the major leagues. I feel like when the Indians face guys in their first start in the major leagues, it never goes well for the Indians. But we'll see. Big lefty, so expect those righties in the lineup. Expect Chu at first base. Expect uh, Ahmed Rosario definitely to be in there. I don't know if Fermil Reyes is back yet from the paternity list. So it'll be interesting to see if Daniel Johnson, who, by the way, 
Goes 0 for 5 yesterday with five strikeouts. It was bad. Four of the strikeouts came on changeups. I don't know what's happening at the alternate site or at the alternate site at AAA. Are they not throwing these guys any changeups? Do they not practice against the changeup at all? If it were me, I'd get a guy out there who could throw a few changeups because clearly our minor leaguers cannot handle changeups. The Indians, as a team, struggle against the changeup, but Daniel Johnson. Oh, man, he just could not lay off that low pitch. He couldn't let it go. He couldn't spit on it. He was just swinging and whiffing at that low changeup and struck out five times yesterday, three times to Giolito, twice to the bullpen. Uh, Yeah, so will Daniel Johnson be in there against a big lefty? We'll see. If, uh, well, Jordan Luplo will probably be back in there, so probably not. I'm I'm guessing you might see uh, Naylor DHing. Chang at first, and uh, Jordan Luplo out there in right field against against this lefty. We'll see. We'll see. It depends, again, if he leaves Jimenez in his shortstop against the lefty or if he continues to platoon them a little bit. He's been platooning them a little bit at shortstop between Rosario and Jimenez when it comes to facing a lefty. So that is what is coming up tomorrow. Henches gets the start on Tuesday, and then they have not announced Wednesday, although I would assume that would be Shane Bieber against Singer for the Royals, which will be a fun matchup. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.